Welcome to this episode of the Joyful Friar podcast. I'm Father Nathan Castle, and I'm glad that uh, you're with me. I'm grateful that you would like to spend the time together. Today's episode has to do with my first stuck soul, Ray, the perfect gentleman. He's in my first book. He's in the preface of uh, Afterlife Interrupted, Helping Stuck Souls Crossover. Ray is uh, now one of my best friends in the in the spirit he's part of my prayer life ever maybe like 25 years now i explain his story in great detail in in my book and i've described this story a lot on podcasts but i'm happy to do it again at the beginning of my own podcast but before i even get to that there's a few key elements that are a part of my life people um interviewers have often asked me how did this business get started of you having this crossing work to do for souls that died traumatically. I was taught as a little boy that I had a family on earth and a family in heaven. I spent most of the day with the ones on earth, but my mom would tuck me in and help me say my prayers when I was tiny. And she taught me that this is how we talk to our other family. We talk to Holy Mary and Jesus, my brother and our heavenly father, and we would give blessings to people. And some of the blessings were for people who were, who lived in my house or in the neighborhood, uh, my cousins in the next state. And then some were blessings given to people who had already died. I was learning already that it didn't matter whether a person was alive here or hereafter. We still had a, a love for them and they for us, and we could help each other out, which was something that was accomplished by giving a blessing. Giving a blessing was sort of like giving a gift to somebody uh, not knowing what they'll do with it, kind of like maybe, um, well, money or uh, a gift card. When you give a, a, a gift of that kind, you don't necessarily know what a person's going to do with it. And that's kind of one of the uh, reasons that we give that gift is to let them uh, use it in the way that they please. So in my imagination, that's what I was doing as a child. I was giving a gift to people uh, that would suit them in whatever way that they wanted to use it. I understood that when people die, uh, one of the th places that they could go, one of the, the states was purgatory, a place of cleansing. It meant you were with God, but you needed to do some kind of prep work. Um, it mean to get cleaned up or to work on things, to improve somehow. And it made sense to me that not everybody uh, died and was ready for perfect bliss, that, uh, that there'd just be some sort of a I don't know, a continuum, a gradient. Wouldn't have used any of the either of those words as a child, but it just made sense to me that there was a place for people to uh, get better prepared to uh, be fully in the eternal presence of God. So I was doing that a lot as a child. I was very specific, and I, I prayed for lots of people, including the people in the in the newspaper. We got uh, newspapers in the morning and in the evening in those days, and both of them had an obituary page showing who had died in the previous day or two. I went out of my way to pray for the ones that weren't being buried from a Catholic church because I knew that Catholics uh, believed in purgatory, but other Christians didn't necessarily. So I was really busy as a little kid praying for the good of anybody that died. Uh, and I was consistent with that. I, I was every night. That was my practice. 
who knew that years later, as a Catholic priest, I was going to be um, rather jolted alert to pray for somebody specifically who needed some afterlife help. What happened was I was on a retreat in northern Arizona with friends of mine. I was um, both participant in the retreat and, and giver of it. But it was middle of the night and I was asleep. I was dreaming about finishing a round of golf. I'm a golfer, so that's no big deal. I was finishing a round of golf. The priest I was playing with, we went into the bar. Uh, we, when we got into it, we discovered that we were in the midst of a silent auction, a charity event, which, again, is normal for me because I've run nonprofits for much of my life. Silent auctions are one kind of fun way to raise some money. But at this one, I noticed that someone had donated a really ugly, awful piece of framed artwork that was on a far wall. I even said to my friend in the dream, ooh, who would give that to a charity? It's horrible. But it was so horrible that I felt like I needed to get a better look at it. And as I moved toward it, it moved toward me inside the picture frame, which is sort of reminiscent now of our big screen TVs. This was years and years ago before we had TVs on the wall. But... It moved toward me and I toward it and it began to move. It was a little video of a man burning to death on the radiator of a car on the grill. He hadn't been in a wreck and I don't know why he was sitting on an engine of a car facing away from it, but he was and he was on fire and he was screaming and I woke up. You have to understand that as a priest, I have to take a turn sometimes having a pager from a local hospital just in case a Catholic calls or wants a, a priest to come uh, in the middle of the night because of an emergency. So sometimes if, when that pager goes off, you just have to shake yourself awake quickly, um, talk to the person at the nurse's station, get the uh, room number and such. So it felt like that. I felt like I was being awakened from a sound sleep to talk, um, to, to help somebody. So I wrote down quickly what I had just received, and I, I spoke to the person in prayer. I just made the sign of the cross and said a prayer and said, whoever you are, my name is Nathan. I, I understand that you've died in a fire on, on a car. I'm praying for you. I'll see what I can do to help. I wrote it down. Uh, I blessed the person and blessed myself and went back to sleep. Several hours later in the morning, um, I'm kind of an early riser normally, and on a retreat, there's always a few more of us who um, meet over coffee in the morning. So I was up kind of early having coffee with whoever was uh, up and about. And my dear friend, who was uh, my prayer partner, was on the retreat, and she was up. So I said, if you wouldn't mind, at a break time, could we go into prayer uh, and pray about this experience I had during the night? She said, well, sure, Absolutely. So we did that, and we, um, we we said prayers of protection because I think that's important. I don't pick up hitchhikers on earth or in the afterlife. Uh, so St. Michael the Archangel, St. Benedict, uh, Holy Mary, Mother of Jesus, um, the persons of the Trinity, different ones, St. Francis and St. Dominic. Anyway, I kind of surrounded us with a prayerful huddle of uh, holy ones. It's my practice. And then we sat still. Sometimes that's called waiting on the Lord. We just asked the Holy Spirit. We just made ourselves as available as we could and said, how can we help? Well, we sat still in prayer for a little while, short time. 
And my friend said, whoever this man is, he really wants to talk to you. Would it be okay if I allow him to? Well, because we had been prayer partners for some time, I knew that she had special spiritual gifts, uh, some of which paralleled the gifts that I had. Um, and she said, whoever it is, he would really like to talk to you. Should would you Do you want me to let him? And I said, well, yeah, we've done our protective prayer and we're in the Lord's service. We're not delving into you know, spooky mysteries for no reason We're we've been asked to help. And so let's help. So um, shortly after that, out of her mouth came the voice of, of a man who said, who the hell does he think he is taking me just when my life is getting good. But in the, in the midst of that, I had gotten a little sweet voice in my head or in my ear, however you want to think of it, that said, be careful. This one has not yet chosen the kingdom. Well, I was being told to be careful not to run like the wind. I mean, I knew that that um, that some caution was advised, and we had asked for all this spiritual help, so we went with it. It turned out that Ray had died in 1960 on the hood of a car. I was only four years old at the time, uh, but he died in a fire. He had been rather stuck in the afterlife because he had been taught about God that God takes people. And who the hell does he think he has taken me just when my life's getting good? So we asked, well, how can we help you? Isn't that what you do? Uh, when I, I'm a counselor, when people make an appointment and you don't really know them, in the first few minutes after you've maybe broken the ice, you say, how can I help you? Tell me what our goals are. Well, he said, my wife, she's dying of cancer. Uh, she's an old woman now. Um I want to greet her when she passes, but I can't the way I am. So he had died in his early 20s after only a couple of years of marriage. Uh, she later remarried. They had no more children. They had, He had one child, and, and um, this man helped uh, his former wife raise their son. But now she's dying of cancer in South Carolina. He said, I've been keeping watch over her. And I want to meet, greet her when she passes, but I can't the way I am. So that was our goal. How do we help this man? He told us his name was Ray. Um, we had no manual to follow, but we just used kind of prayerful good sense, I think. Um, uh, I had to challenge some ideas that he had formed about himself and about God. So um, we we talked with him about where he was. And he had created a space that was as close to nothing as he could imagine. He was just mad at the world and mad at God and wanted everybody to go away and leave him alone. Well, almost everybody did except his guardian angel, who uh, he didn't realize was an angel. But he said, there's this guy that stays over on the edge of things and he doesn't ever leave, but he doesn't say anything. Well, I said, well, that's good. Uh, we've The goal, I, I told him, I said, you know, Cancer's got its own schedule. And he had told me he hadn't done much of anything in 40 years. And I said, we're going to have to move fast now. And I don't know that you're going to like it uh, because you've gotten used to the way things are around you. But he agreed to, to, and I said, remember, you can get rid of us anytime you want. I'm only just going to offer the best I know how, how we can help. Um, it took us several sessions because we were kind of making our way forward. And we were, my prayer partner, and I were both busy people. The fact that you have something spiritual, if this order happened, doesn't mean every other commitment that you have falls away. We honored all of our other commitments, but we, we met with him for a little while. 
we told him that we would get back with him soon and we'd pray about how we can help. Well, one, he, he knew he wanted to meet other people but hadn't met anybody since he died. So we figured we need to get him in circulation. So um, we did, we, we eventually settled on his dad and uh, he hadn't known his dad very well. His dad died when he was 10. He, he was kind of afraid of him. I said, well, did you guys ever have a great time together? And he said, yeah, one time we went and looked at cars. So I said, well, what if we asked your dad to come? Would you be okay? Would you, would you be afraid of him? And he said, I don't think so. I said, well, what if we asked him to come, but not too close? I said, when I'm a little leery about a meeting with someone, I might stay near the door or I might limit the amount of time that we're going to be together. Could you do that? He agreed. And so we just said, God, would you please send Ray's dad here? Uh, and in within 10 seconds, he was going, oh, my God, look over there. I said, I can't see what you see, Ray, but tell me. And he said, well, it's my dad. I said, well, does he look scary? Do you think you're being tricked? He said, no, it's just my dad. I said, well, is it okay for us to leave you guys alone? We'll come, we'll circle back around and see how things went. He agreed to that. And so a few days later, we met up again. This time, uh, we asked about how it went. And he said, well, we went and looked at cars. I said, well, how did, which ones? And, you know, he died in the early 50s. You died in 1960. Did you try time travel? He said, no, no, we went and looked at the new ones. So I just thought that was so cool. This, this father-son reunion happened over uh, a car lot somewhere because they were both kind of car guys. It just seemed really fun to me. Anyhow, um, we, I said to him, okay, Ray, now we've broken the ice. We, you know you can move. You know you can be around other people by just choosing to and asking. Said, um, now the, I think I know what it is that would prevent you from being with your wife and, and you're not going to like it. And he said, well, what? And I said, well, I think uh, you just act like a caveman. When you talk about your wife, uh, you act like you own the rights to her and that when she dies, you're going to grab her by her hair and pull her into your cave. I said, remember, she's in her 60s. You, you knew her for a couple of years out of 60 something. Uh, you're, you're the only uh, deceased husband and you're the only person with whom she had a child. So you're huge and you belong in that welcoming party. But I just don't think you're going to be the only one. Could you humble yourself a little bit and be prepared to be with maybe her parents or siblings or people she loved that you that she only met after you died? There, there might be a small group. I think you belong there, but I don't think you should be think of yourself as the whole show. He didn't like it. He grumbled a little bit. But the next time we got together, all of this happened in the span of about three weeks, as I recall. Uh, he he the last time we met up or next time we met up he said um big news my wife passed and i said well wow that's terrific tell us all about it and he said well I, he said it worked just the way you said there were some other people there uh and i belonged but you'd have been proud of me i was the perfect gentleman so i said that's terrific ray i knew you had it in, in you all along to be that perfect gentleman i said i think now our work is finished uh it, it felt like a, a permanent goodbye to a friend that I'd never even laid eyes on, but it was emotional. And I just said, well, Ray, you know, now that you're, you've gotten what you wanted, uh, I think it's time for you to go on to other things and you don't need us around. But I wonder now that you know how to greet people when they die, they pass over. Would you mind keeping an eye on me like you did for your wife? And would you uh, be there for me when it's my turn to pass? And I remember, I'll never forget it. He said, why, sir, I'd be most honored 
just looked for the perfect gentleman. So um, how could you not have Ray as a friend after that? Uh, I'm still here. I haven't crossed, but I'm, I, I'm confident that Ray will be part of the welcoming party when it is my turn. We wanted to use his story publicly uh, in a book, and I just didn't feel right about that without asking his permission. So uh, um, eventually, a friend of mine convinced me, let's just go into the Holy Spirit, ask, you know, we're not asking for tomorrow's lottery numbers, or we're not up to no good. We're just doing a, a simple task. It's yes or no. We won't bother anybody for very long. The question is, would you allow us to use your story? tell your story. And we did that and it worked like a charm. Ray came uh, and spoke with us um, and he indicated that he'd be happy to have his story told, that he's since gone back to school. After he learned how to greet his wife, he thought he'd like to know how to do that to greet other people. It just seemed like something that uh, he already had done once and enjoyed and thought I'd like to do more of that. So we learned that that was part of how he was uh, moving forward in his afterlife. There are just so many choices about what you might do next. And that was the one that was right in front of him that was attractive to him. So uh, that's pretty much how that story resolved. If you want to know more about it, you can find it in my first book in this series, Afterlife Interrupted, what we call book one, Helping Stuck Souls Crossover. It's available on Amazon, either in a paper print book, an ebook for like a Kindle, or the audiobook, which I and my prayer partners have uh, voiced ourselves. So in our next installment, we'll go into what we call compassionate response. People, after hearing that story, sometimes they have questions. Sometimes the questions are, I guess you could say, simply intellectual curiosity. But I'm finding that very often when people ask me a question, contact me through my website, typically, it's because they're concerned about a loved one and they're grieving and uh, they're wondering, you know, if, if their loved one is safe and happy and so on. So the next segment of uh, our podcasting is going to be a compassionate response to the story of Ray. So if you stuck around for this uh, much, you might enjoy hearing our next installment on the story of Ray, compassionate response to his story. Thanks. God bless you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joyful Friar. You can visit me at nathan-castle.com. Send me a message by clicking the contact button. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can make a donation by clicking the donate button. See you next time. God bless.